What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Day two. Here comes the hard part. Look, today's session made a ton of sense after the big China news from the G20 this weekend. Even if stocks opened far too high, as I often tell you, and ended up pulling back somewhat. Dow only closing up 288 points. Hasn't been gaining 1.09%. NASDAQ convincing 1.51%. Let's go over the state of play here. What exactly went down in Argentina? I'd say the president gave China 90 days to come to the table with substantial changes in the way it does business. Plus, the People's Republic will have to buy a lot of American-made goods as a gesture of goodwill. There's a lot here to be chewed on, but let's start with the tempering point. It may be difficult for the Chinese to change their economy. For example, I don't know how Chinese companies will stop stealing American intellectual property when, at the moment, China won't even acknowledge that they're doing it. That's the biggest concern among the companies I talk to, but there are a lot of other reasons to be skeptical that a deal can be done. Still... Assuming the Chinese are serious about coming to the table, how do we try to profit from it? I mean, it is mad money, not mad foreign policy. First, we'll go over the easy ones. That was easy. If China wants to show President Trump some good faith, what can they do? Well, they have to be big and they have to be visible. First, the People's Republic needs to give us some agricultural orders. The news that there might be concessions drove up the prices of pretty much of the whole grain complex today. What do farmers do when they have more money in their pockets? Well, they buy tractors. Buy, 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 buy. It really doesn't matter how the stock, how much really, how much the stock of John Deere is up. Many firms still have holds on the stock, and even after today, it's still down 13 points from its high. I think these analysts will aggressively upgrade Deere now that China seems willing to play ball. You'll also hear the Chinese will buy more American energy. Please don't get sucked in there. The truth is, when it comes to liquefied natural gas, we don't have any spare capacity left to sell them. And oil is a pure commodity. China will have no impact on these stocks, so it's a big mistake to speculate on them. Even as I see people trying to buy the oils as a play on the upcoming OPEC meeting, I don't trust any strength here. None. I would be a seller of the big producers, not a buyer. Sell, 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 sell. Next, if President Xi wants to win over President Trump, he should place the largest orders in history for earth movers from Caterpillar, for engines from Cummins, and for planes from Boeing. Buy, 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 buy. All of which will have a tremendous ripple effect. Trump stock. The PRC should just open the checkbook and make Trump a hero in Illinois, India, Washington, not to mention all the other states with big aerospace businesses. Now, I know all of this seems obvious, and Caterpillar caught two upgrades today for some influential analysts. Again, though, cat stock is down 35 points from its high, and it sells at a mere 11 time, 11.9 times this year's earnings. Boeing stock is down 35 points. If China means business, it could have a lot more upside. Here's what I think is going to happen. 
deal, 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 right, deal. That's deal. a prelude to Howie Mandel coming on the show. Don't think like a portfolio manager. Think like a Chinese bureaucrat. A plane order to a U.S. company versus, say, Airbus would give the president a big win. Engine and tractor orders that don't go to the Japanese and instead go to the United States are big, visible triumphs. You can just see the president having a Trump victory tour once the orders roll in. Now, how about some less obvious but still incredibly meaningful ways for the China to show its good faith? MasterCard, Visa, and American Express have been trying to crack into the Chinese market on their own for ages. They don't want bogus Chinese joint venture partners who sap the profits out of them like vampires. They want unfettered free access. If I were China, I'd give it to them. At least one of two of them. Another big uh, visible win that doesn't cost them very much. Well, you know what? Really? What does the Communist Party care if MasterCard's allowed to do business in China on its own? What's the expense? So think about it. We've got six phone calls. Caterpillar, Boeing, Cummins, American Express, MasterCard, and Visa, six victory tours, six statements of good faith, six ways China can appease the United States. And hey, they get some very high-quality merchandise and maturity out of it anyway. Next potential winner, A-V-G-O, Broadcom. Why does this chipmaker benefit from a trade ceasefire? One of the most cockamamie things that came out of the confab is an agreement to allow Qualcomm to buy NXP Semi, the Chinese granted that. Qualcomm's already paid $2 billion to not buy NXP. That was the breakup thing. Qualcomm, as we know, is all about trying to develop 5G wireless as fast as possible. I think you buy the stock of an acquirer who takes the Qualcomm NXP deal as a sign, a signal that you can buy semiconductor companies again and get approval from the Chinese. That's why Micron and AMD were up. Buy AMD on earnings. Buy Micron because it's cheap. Don't buy it on acquisition. All right. Now, and Broadcom is the most acquisitive player in the space. It just finished buying CA. Now is the time to strike for another company. And every time CEO Hawk Tan does one of these deals, his stock ultimately goes higher. Now let's get tricky. We know that the 90-day tolling starts Jam 1. That gentle truce may or may not mean something for Nike, Apple, Starbucks, all of which do a huge amount of business in China. I can justify buying Nike on earnings alone. And now the biggest risk of sudden Chinese boycott is off the table. Well, let's say same goes for Apple and Starbucks. Apple's de-risk for the moment on China talks. It won't be de-risk because of Cirrus Logic, a large provider of the sound system, actually uh, gave you a very downbeat earnings forecast tonight. That's going to hurt Apple tomorrow. Um, but you know what? I think Starbucks and Nike are both attractive at the moment because their stocks are ripe for an upgrade. Well, I still get the sense because of something like a Cirrus Logic that the long knives are out for Apple. You know my verdict, own Apple, don't trade it. Again, I expect it to be down tomorrow if it's yours. What else? Apparel and retail are probably the most fertile areas that haven't yet been exploited. Here's the issue sourcing. Most apparel makers source some of their product from China, and it's expensive to move the production to another country. But they just got 90 more days to try to figure out how to do it. That's a godsend, especially for, like, let's say, a company like PVH, okay, which already reported, got hammered, and is now on the mend. Which brings me to perhaps the most exciting area, the dollar stores. Here we have a known issue. It's awfully tough for the dollar stores to turn a profit without cheap Chinese manufacturing. When we spoke to Dollar Tree CEO Gary Philbin last week, he told us the company had built in 25% tariffs starting January 1st. A lot of people thought that was going to happen. That's now been delayed, which means the estimates for his company are now too low. I bet the estimates are too low for Dollar General and Five Below, too. Now, DG reports tomorrow morning, so you can't get in that one. But Five Below is Thursday's business. I buy some before the quarter and pick some up after. Bottom line, if you want to understand what's working in this market, you need to think like a Chinese bureaucrat, not like a portfolio manager. Chinese bureaucrat who's trying to make President Trump happy. Otherwise, it's case by case, with the best cases being the ones I just mentioned. Let's go to PT in Utah. PT! 
Hey, Jim, it's your old pal, PT. How are you? Oh, man. Good to have you back on the show, PT. What's happening? Did you get Marley one of those dog hair diaper bags I told you about? No, but my wife just bought him some sort of poops thing that was weird. It looked like a, I don't know. Let's not go too, uh, too much granularity there, but I hear you. Thank you. All right. Hey, tonight my question is about First Solar, FSLR. It's, about, it's down about 45% from its 52-week high, but it popped today about 5% on some of these tariff rumors. Jim, uh, give us some context. What's going on with First Solar? It's too hard. It's always a question of tariffs versus no tariffs, and it's a question of, of subsidies versus no subsidies. I say no deal, no, no deal, no, no deal, no deal. Let's no go deal. to Louise in Florida. Louise. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. This is Louise, an, in, an investor from the days of E.F. Hutton. I just wanted to say I hope many more people listen to your assessment. Oh, you're market. very kind. Thank you so much. What's going on? Okay. I'd like to ask you about Align, A-L-G-N, maker of Invisalign. All right. I've in gotten October. worried about Align. I'll tell you why. Because 3M wants in. 3M wants to be in that market. I don't think that Align can go up against 3M. 3M is a difficult competitor I think we now have to stay away, given 3M's conviction in that market. Now, if you want to be right in this market, I want you to think like a bureaucrat from China who wants to please our president. Oh, man, money tonight. If you enjoyed this discount, you may want to try Groupon or Stockholm for size. I mean, it's down over 30 40% this year. But I'll find out if you're getting a deal or not. Deal, no deal. Then, this market might be heading higher, but stocks like McDonald's, J&J, and Coca-Cola, they're being left in the dust. Should you be throwing out these stocks? I'm giving you my take. And we're playing Deal or No Deal with host Howie Mandel. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com slash trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. What does it take for a troubled online marketplace to turn itself around? Consider the case of Groupon the company that offers millions of users incredible deals on all sorts of local products and services. For years, Groupon's revenue growth has been shrinking, and the stock has been a punching bag. But maybe it's been punished enough. Going to the end of September, the stock was already down 26% for the year. And after the market-wide meltdown, it's now lost nearly 38% of its value for 2018. Now, part of that is because Groupon reported a mixed quarter in early November. A top-line missed, sales shrinking 7% year-over-year, even as the earnings came better than expected. Groupon's making real strides when it comes to profitability. And in a less hideous market, this might have been treated as a better-than-fear quarter. So what does the company need to prove that it's turning around? Let's take a close look with Rich Williams. He's the CEO of Groupon. Find out more about how his company's doing where it's headed. Mr. Williams, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Good to see you. How are you? Have a seat. Thank you so Thank much. You. Rich, I have to tell you, I, I came in a, a little more positive 
And then I read, yeah. I think, a very tough letter about yourself. Yeah. You talked about how you were disappointed. You're not happy with uh, North America. And I didn't know what to think, Rich, because I said, well, if he's not happy, I shouldn't be happy. <laughs> yeah, Jim, well, I think, one, we hold ourselves to a very high bar, and, and we want to see the marketplace continue to grow. Um, so anytime that we don't see that, that's tough, and, and we don't like those results. Um, but it's also one, I was in that letter, clear that um, we understand why. We right. know why those challenges exist. We don't like those challenges, but we have a plan to, to make those challenges go away and move us to a much stronger place. All right, let's, uh, why don't you outline the plan so that we feel more confident that this is the right uh, time to buy the stock? Yeah, I, the core of the plan is, is based in our, in, our mar- in our marketplace model and concept. And that's moving us away from email and daily deals right. and really to being a utility for consumers and merchants to use every single day to grow their businesses. In the case of merchants, in the case of consumers, a place where they trust when they're hungry, when they're bored, when they just want something to do on the weekend with their kids. We're where they go to find the best prices, the best deals, and also the best selection and inventory of those transactable offers in, in local market. Okay, in the conference call, and I know you left yeah. more time for questions, which was terrific, I couldn't figure out whether you were saying that, look, we're still going to advertise to build brand, but we're not going to spend too much money. I'm trying to figure out why everybody doesn't know you already. Yeah, I mean, we have we have great brand awareness. That's, that's right. a big piece of, of the Groupon power of the brand, and, and we're, we're north of 80%. People know who we are. I think our opportunity there is to move just from people knowing who we are and what we've been to where we're where we are moving and what we are now, um, which is a utility they can use every single day. Not something they need to wait for in their inbox to give them a deal that they didn't expect in the morning. Right. Yeah. Is there any way to make it so that when you go to the site, you can look around it without having to give your email? Yeah, I mean, the site is completely open at this point. So you don't need to give us your email unless you're going to check out and buy something. So at this point, it is a completely open marketplace. You can search, you can discover. Actually, now is kind of one of the, I think, one of the, the things that surprises people. More people come to Groupon to search and browse and just look for things that they're trying to find than come via an email. Wow, that's a big change. But at the same time, you do say in the summary of what's next, this isn't a turnaround. It's a transformation. This were a basic turnaround. We probably limit our focus to cost and optimizing our voucher business to the point it could become irrelevant. I mean, but to some degree, I thought it still felt like a turnaround to me after I read all your reports. Yeah, and I think people have a very, uh, you know, a very narrow uh, perspective of what a turnaround is. Most of that is like, hey, we need to cut some costs or we need to just tweak our product around the edges. When when I say it's a transformation, I think we we have a good business today. We're trying to build an amazing business. And we have a a good product today. We're trying to build an amazing product. We've got to transform how we work, the products we deliver to our customers, really fundamentally change how consumers think about us every day. And that's more than your typical turnaround has to attack. And uh, the good news is we're well on our way. Uh, but we're Rich, making great is progress. is it possible that local is hard? I mean, for instance, I, I, I know the Nextdoor yeah. people. They don't seem to be able to monetize mm. Nextdoor good product. Yelp had a disappointing quarter. Good product. Yeah. I mean, it's such a fraction. It's, it's, it's the fraction market. Yeah. Um, small players, many small players. Yeah. No one seems to have ever just come in and tamed <laughs> local. Yeah, local is a huge space, um, right. and, it, and it's a space that uh, got a late start. When, and if you think about the online and right. mobile, you know, mobile revolution that we've gone through over the last 15 or 20 years, products started first you know, with folks like Amazon in the late 90s. Right. 
wasn't really until folks like Groupon and Yelp came into the, into the mix late into the 2000s where you started to really get people to push. So for sure, locals late, it is a, it's a challenging space, but I would say you know, we're, we're producing billions of dollars uh, of value coming out of the local space. We've grown our inventory and our relationships with small businesses by 60% over the last three years. We're making headway, and, and we see that as a massive prize. It's worth fighting for, right. uh, and we like our position in the market. Okay, should we be looking at, uh, for this uh, transformation, yeah. redemption numbers, gross profit numbers, uh, unit use uh, you know, per customer? I'm trying to get the metrics that I need yeah. to be able to say it's really happening. Yeah, I, I think one great one to look at is, is units per customer okay. and GP per customer, that gross profit per customer. Okay, good. Those are the ones that we're really looking at, and GP per, per, per customer is the kind of thing that we're optimizing day in and day out, making sure we have valuable customers on the platform, they're connecting with valuable offers. Units per customer are the thing that unlocks us over time, right? People use us, call it four or five times a year. Our opportunity in local, where you shop most of the time, is four or five times a week. So that's what we're building toward. Um, And those those are the metrics to look at long term, that we have a lot of customers buying more frequently in a profitable way. Okay, now you brought us uh, interesting things last time. You only yeah. talked about continuing education. Yeah. Uh, this time, AMC seems like a big deal. AMC yeah. costs a fortune. We're excited about. We're excited about AMC. You know, we we said earlier earlier today that that we already sell millions of tickets a year to right. movies, and now most of those tickets are sold to neighborhood theaters. So we're, that means we're missing out on the tens of thousands right. of screens all around uh, the country um, to deliver that great experience that people come to us and look for every single day anyway. So we're really excited about being able to partner with AMC to offer that, offer that ability for people when they want to go see a movie and they're thinking of Groupon, they can just buy the ticket uh, and ultimately work with them over time to make sure that we're providing that kind of pricing speciality that we bring to the table uh, in a way that works for customers and works for them. Last question. It's not like you're losing money. I mean, the cash is building. It is a little bit of a quandary. You were so transparent and honest that I feel like if things go a little bit, you could have a hockey stick. Uh, I mean, look, I, I think we're we're wildly undervalued, is, right. is my perspective. I, mine um, too. You know, we we have strong free cash flow. We produce a lot of adjusted EBITDA. That's not reflected. I don't believe uh, in our in our share price today, um, and just shows that we. I think we have a lot of opportunity to grow that for folks over time. Well, I agree. I mean, it's a, it's not a lottery ticket, so right. to speak. It's a company that generates <laughs> a lot of cash. Yeah. That's Rich Williams, the CEO of Groupon, GRPN. Check it out. Man, money's back here for break. As the averages came roaring back today, there was one group that got slammed. It was the recession-proof stocks. These stocks have been some of the strongest performers going into the market. But thanks to widespread perception that the Federal Reserve will ease up on its rate hikes after the next one, and the Chinese are willing to play ball with President Trump, well, they were thrown away en masse today. So they did come back during the day. I have to give that. But there wasn't much thought to it. And that's what happens in a rotation. But I think we need to give them a look because many of these companies are doing incredibly well and the money will cycle back. The exhibit A is McDonald's. We know McDonald's is putting through a very important domestic restructuring that's raising productivity while reducing costs. The remodeling program is giving the franchisees a major boost. There's a lot to like about McDonald's. But the stock caught fire in October, not because business is good, but because Fed Chief Jerome Powell made some intemperate remarks about the need to overshoot with this rate hikes in order to crush inflation, even if it also crushed the economy. The thing is, McDonald's remodeling plan has nothing whatsoever to do with the Fed. It's all about the company inventing itself, reinvention. And I think stocks will buy. If the rotation continues, it will keep getting slammed. It was down more than $3 today. And this one only gets cheaper as it goes lower. Second, 
there's pharma giant Johnson & Johnson. Now, this huge healthcare company has a fabulous pipeline of new drugs. I don't think people realize just how powerful J&J's esketamine nasal spray will be in fighting depression and suicide, real epidemics, if or when it's approved. Last week, there was an article in the New York Times that talked about the benefits of ketamine drips as a way to combat hard-to-beat depression. When you hear ketamine, I know you think that's something people take just to get high, but psychiatrists have been testing this out as a treatment for depression and PTSD for years, and it's supposedly to be incredibly effective. So I believe J&J's ketamine, which is tantalizingly close to approval, will be a major success, not in the numbers. And that's one, just one drug in a very impressive pipeline. At one point, the stock was down huge, but it rallied to finish off slightly. I still think it's an opportunity. Third, Coca-Cola is pulling back here. CEO James Quincy is transforming this company, making it into a faster growing uh, business with more ability to take market share. I'm acutely conscious that PepsiCo was down big, too, although it was up big on Friday, and that didn't make any sense. However, at these levels, I do prefer Coke over Pepsi, even as it rallied to close barely down at the end of the day. Why do I prefer just a little bit better risk-reward? Fourth, Clorox, a stock that rarely sells off except during a rotation because the underlying company is just so darn consistent. I recommend buying this one in pyramid style, picking up some Clorox here, then buying more down three, then wait for it to fall another three to five points before adding to your position. Worst case scenario, stock doesn't pull back any further and you don't own as much as you'd like. High quality problem. This one's a wild trader. Give them the deep intraday swings. Be patient. Fifth, I want to buy CBS anytime it's down. I think the company will soon be merged with Viacom, given that it's currently leaderless, with no one to put up a fight against the Redstone family. CBS, they own a controlling stake in both. CBS has, hasn't been forced down much by the rotation, but it makes too much sense to not to buy here, as the combination would be powerful. And all the media was driven lower today for no particular reason. Finally, Kimberly Clark. I haven't recommended this one in ages. Down down nearly 2% today. I like Procter & Gamble, too, but it wasn't down enough. That said, both work here, especially now that the raw costs can come down thanks to the massive decline in the price of oil, which goes into all their plastic packaging. Think about it like this. Gutter leaves OPEC so it can focus on natural gas. Canada's uh, mandated cutbacks in oil production. The Russians and the Saudis are making a deal ahead of the OPEC meeting later this week. Yet the price of crude can only rally $2.02? I mean, that's crazy. And it tells me energy costs will remain low. Look, I think these slowdown stocks may continue to fall here, but the higher quality ones are absolutely worth buying into weakness so long as you buy them gradually on the way down. Jim in California. Jim. Hey, Jim. It's uh, James calling from California. How are you today? All right. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I started a position in Aero Environment after watching the CEO on your show. And I continued to buy it as it went a little lower, but now I find myself down 33%. What do I do? Buy? I mean, I think that, I mean, to me, what's happening again is the stock was a victim of what I regard as being a brutal raid, uh, a short selling raid. And then uh, the fellow came on who was the CEO, and I think he basically said, look, you know, it's a short selling raid. And uh, I got to have him back. I think the same thing may have just happened. Stock has been a huge winner. It's up 30% for the year, but they're really fighting it to try to keep it down. They being the short sellers. And that happens. Look, people were shorting uh, restoration hardware, RH. Look, how good did that do? Let's go to Singh in Indiana. Singh. Hi, Jim. I love your show, man. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, um, My question is about the DGX. That's down almost 15% for the past couple of weeks. It's missing guidance. Yeah, I want to see if I can scoop some up. You know, I, I do think, I mean, there were a bunch of downgrades today. It did seem overdone. Uh, LH, though, was just terrible on Friday, too. I mean, let's not, let's not forget, 
These stocks are structurally challenged. When I went through the LH, the, the laboratory corp numbers uh, from Friday, I just said, listen, I think that these are in the penalty box. You got to wait a full quarter is what I'm saying. You can't just go in and buy them. I don't want you to do that. All right. The environment has changed here. And these stocks that are being thrown out, some of them are actually buys. Much we made money at. After 10-year hiatus, deal or no deal is returning to CNBC. Tonight, I'm talking to Howie Mandel. He's the host. Find out what's different this time around. Then, looking for the key takeaway from this weekend's G20 Summit, I'm going off the charts to find out what the tech tools could be signaling about a particular stock that you'll like. And all your calls are rapid fire. Tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. As soon as there's a commercial, I go to another game. Yeah. 714 <laughs> yeah. to 712 yes. to 705 to Channel 2. I mean, just, my wife says, will you stop it? Will you stop it? Maybe a Bud Light ad is going to come on, and I like the Bud Light ad. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. This is not the same old deal or no deal. I know this game better than anybody. We have the opportunity for the contestant to negotiate. Woo, let's do it! My childhood hero was Emmett Smith. I would love to meet him someday. I still have the same amount of hair. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is very exciting. You may not have heard. This is a huge week for us at CBC. This Wednesday, we're bringing back Deal or No Deal, the hit game show that debuted over a decade ago and is now being revived with some brand new rules. What it doesn't have is a new host. Because the hilarious and uplifting, at least I care more about that in a lot of ways, Howie Mandel is coming back, both as the host and as executive producer. So let's have some fun tonight with Howie Mandel, because Deal or No Deal is back. Mr. Mandel, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Oh, yeah. I am so thrilled to be here. I watch you. Oh, you're too kind. Thank you. I don't do it out of kindness. I do it because I, I like this show. I like you. I like you. I like listening to you. I like watching you. I told you before this, uh, that we started recording here, I like your energy. You're authentic. You're passionate. And if I wasn't so risk adverse, I would listen to you. Well, I, look, I, I do listen to you, but is, I don't invest. Well, in truth, I have, it's okay to say, I've patterned some of the things I do off you and not just my hair. I should really just go all in. Really? Because, People well, don't know I'm, I'm brilliant when it comes to the economy. Well, no, uh, over uplift, education, and empowerment. Because you are, whether it be uh, God talent or this, you, what you're doing is you're allowing people to make some money. And what I want to know is what do they do with it? Oh, this is okay. So let me tell you about money. First of all, on Deal or No Deal, which actually premieres tonight, right, okay. on NBC, right. big Christmas special. You got to watch that. But the truth of the matter is that I think most people, you're needed because most people don't know what to do with money. You know, when I first got the show in the first iteration okay. in 2005, I thought I didn't want to do a game show. I didn't want to okay. be a game show host. I'm a comedian. Comedians don't do game shows. But my wife said, you're an idiot. Take the deal. And so I listened to my wife, who is sitting back there now, and she's been singing ever since. But it blew up, and it was exciting. And I thought, okay, if I do this, then this is going to be a great platform for me to be funny and to show my wares. And 
And I'll never forget, and I tell this story many over and over again, but I walked out onto the stage and I saw my first contestant. And I'm sitting here like I'm right. sitting with you. And I say, what's your name? And she tells me it's Karen Van. I'll never forget her. And she, she shows me she's got three children. She's never had health insurance. She's never owned a home. A million dollars, much less than a million dollars, would change her life. And then I started to realize, like, I'm looking at you. Yeah. We know we're people yeah. first. And I'm a father, and I'm a husband, and I got so afraid, because unlike you and me who've done television before, when you put a contestant on a set, there's all these lights, there's all these cameras, and she was glazed. And I thought, if I start doing things, she's got to make decisions, important life-changing decisions, deal or no deal, you got to know it. So I I even changed my cadence, like I talked to my children when they were five, and I went, you know, the first offer is $40,000. Dollars and she goes no deal without uh, even thinking. It, no, you're right. I go no. You did nothing. You don't need skill here. You have no physical acumen. Yeah, and it means and and I'm thinking you don't understand when I say the offer is forty thousand dollars. That's real. That's real money. What you don't, what people do is they see that million dollars still floating out there and they yes. go, that's a chance. Yes, because that's in your mind. I want the mill. I want the mill. But here's a woman, if she had $40,000, she wasn't from New York or L.A., if she had $40,000, she could put a down payment on a house. That's more than the average American family Absolutely. makes a year. She could do so much with it. And she kept saying no deal and played. She ended up, Karen Van, which is still a lot of money, walked away with $5,000. So in my mind, because it tears me up, I think, oh, my God, $5,000. You know what? Where do you win $5,000? No, that's true. You can invest that. They can listen to Jim. She can make some money. We did a follow-up. She came back two years later. You know what she had done? No. Her breasts. Talk about an investment. It's in her vest. That's an investment. Her breast breasts. What? Her breast breasts. Her breasts. Like... I don't, you got to explain what that is? No, you no, it just kind of took me. I she, yeah, caught, she had an enhancement. She made an Well, investment. hey, listen, that's Allergan at 160. I'm no, no thank you. No deal. No deal. That's Allergan. What I, said. That's I like what... Merck. No deal. <laughs> now, how about what's changed this year? Okay, so as you saw in that little clip that you showed, we have taken everything everybody loved about the original game and amped it up. And the way we amped it up is, number one, the uh, contestant has one opportunity to counter to to do a counter offer and they got to negotiate but they got it's very cool it is but they got to be smart because our banker who is also new is a woman is very shrewd and like you you know goes by the numbers goes by the odds and kind of you got to figure out you can't just 3.7 for a mill right there's something like that it's like a car it's like a royal flush right yeah there's a it's hard to you you can't just presume you're going to get the mill that's what people seem to think well, it's not only that. It's you can't make a willy-nilly. If you get an offer for $200,000, she has worked out. There's an algorithm. It's right. a real algorithm. What are the odds yes. versus what is the value of what could possibly be in your, in your uh, case? Right. So she offers you a quarter of a million dollars. If she offers you a quarter of a million dollars, you can counter because what are the odds? And it's got to be smart the way you counter on property and right. the, the way you. But you can't just say, you know what, for a million, I'll go now. It's going to be no deal. Oh, that's good. There's more excitement. One last thing. There's last a woman thing? who won I'm a million. I'm on my way out already. I don't know. This I'm looking great. at my executive. She's there. Oh, yeah. Give me a wind up. Forget I want to hear no, some you know sound what? effects. I want to run all over. We're changing. I want to touch something. I want to run around and bang. We're, you know, I'm, this I'm is so weird. I mean, we bust the show for a lot of others. I'm busting for you. I'm not kidding. And we're just busting it right now. Bust it. Okay. Listen. But we should be moving around, not sitting. Right, That's right, what right, I love but, about yeah, this show. Uh, no, we're not looking at the clip yet. They're telling me to look at a clip now. I, I want to get to the clip. There's an interview with a woman who won a million bucks. 
Okay? Yeah. And there's this great moment. This is what I found. I didn't have any money. When I had got some money, everyone said, you've changed. No, they had changed. They wanted some of my money. The other thing is, is that I didn't realize about the taxes. She realized about the taxes. That's an incredibly powerful interview. Incredibly powerful interview. It is, because people, you know what's weird? It's really weird to me. I, I don't have, you talk about education. I don't have an education. I don't have a GED. Most of people in this world that are successful don't even understand economy. They say, if I want to invest, what can I afford? They'll call yeah. their accountant and yeah. say, how much of a house can I buy? What can I, how can you not figure out fourth grade math? It is just fourth grade math. They didn't figure out. They didn't know about taxes. Well, you, you the, talk about they plan. They plan. Stop planning. Take do, action. Just do. Right. But your dollar, every dollar you make, and that's what this is about, and that's what the market is about, think of it as an employee. So okay. if you make a dollar, I was in comedy. There's no money in comedy when I started out, no, or no. it's not steady money. So I just figured if I had a little bit of money, my wife used to get mad at me all the time because I'd, I made my first $5,000, and I bought a term deposit for 12 years, and I had to live on my $300 that I had left. But that's all right. You're cautious. I, Mr. Cautious. cautious, I want you to press some buttons. I would love you, to. While you tell me, well, while I'm you tell me, I'm going to run a little clip here because I want advice for what this woman should do. Okay. Here's a clip. All I right. call it a call for. Okay. Just kidding. You know this. Stuff. Okay. All right. All right. While you, we, 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 oh, here we go. Look at oh, this. Oh, and then you God. can like, press stuff. Okay. Deal or no deal. So what would I do? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, I'm gonna get. Go for it. I would take go it. Go for it. I would right. go for it. It's guaranteed. And you know That's, why? Why? Because bulls make money. Bears make money. <laughs> slaughtered. Hogs get slaughtered. You don't want to be a hog. That We're means nothing. We're off to the races. Press more buttons. Press, Press more buttons. Yeah, Whoa! Press the key buttons. Deal, deal, oh, I didn't deal. even see you do I that. Did it's that for me. you. Deal, deal, oh, deal. I love that. Deal, deal, deal. I pressed the wrong button. The no, your executive producer. Ka -ching, ka -ching is fine. It says deal. It oh, says stop. Th this was on it, and All I right, didn't now read it. All right, now they're they're telling me. No, no, they're telling no, me to wrap, wrap it up. up. No, no, I'm not leaving. We've broken every single rule of the show. Thank heavens. I'm, you are changing our network. You're a great I man. Hallie Mandel, host of Deal or No Deal, and starts tonight. And I look forward to working with you all the time if possible. You are who I want to be. I, although I have to shave a little more. Man, money is back after the break. Jim Cramer, you're one of my heroes. I look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me. When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned. It is time! Some of the and then the light round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dance over the light round. Let's start with Elizabeth in New York. Elizabeth. Hi there, Jim. 
What's We've up? been watching your show from the very beginning. So tonight I'd like to ask you your thoughts on Harsco HSC. I bought some at 21 and some more at 1650. I've had it for over a year. I want you to hold on to it. The stock is up very big. I want to thank you for the kind comments. Here's my take on Harsco. Great American manufacturer. Can't go wrong with those. Nancy in Illinois. Nancy. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call and happy holidays. Same. You're welcome. We own Nucor stock, and we were wondering if the tariffs are holding steel stock back. I think that it's the best American steel company, best steel company in the world. I think it's got a nice yield. I think it's generating a huge amount of cash flow, and I want you to hold on to Nucor. Let's go to Brian in Texas. Brian. Hi, Jim. How are you? I am good. How about you? Good. Uh, long-time listener, long-time caller, and okay. I love your staff. And go, what about those cowboys? Can we take next call? We got who we got? Uh, Ken? All right, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> okay. Well, Jim, uh, you are going to need a crystal ball for my question. Uh, what do you, What's going to happen with the utilities year-round? And is there any reason I shouldn't be able to wait next on? Well, I got it. No, Exxon is because the old Philly Electric Commonwealth Ed in Chicago and Philly. I got to tell you, I think that utility stocks short term are way too high. Uh, but I do think it's such a fine company. You have to be willing to buy more if it comes down. So that's my take on that. And uh, go uh, Eagles. Let's go to Ken in California. Ken. Booyah, Kramer. I'm calling about Hortonworks HDP before their merger. I What's like the merger. I think it's really important. It's a competitor. Very good situation. Bye, bye, bye. Let's go to Neil in New York. Neil. Hey, big booyah to ya, Jim. Well, Thank like you that. for your kind continuing effort to educate your listeners. Thank you. I'd like to know if you believe that WRK Company, formerly known as Westrock, is a good long-term buy. Now that it's completed. Uh, uh, no, it's just okay. It's just okay. There's too much supply coming on. It looks like a major mistake that I did for Action Alerts. I took a lot of, a lot of the winners. This one has been a decliner, and I'm not happy with it. It's got a 4% yield, so no need to uh, sell it, but I can't recommend it. Let's go to Amy in Nevada. Amy! Hi, Mr. Kramer. Hi, Amy. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Um, I'm great. I'm a six-time caller. Call okay. Today for your, yes, for your advice. Uh, my stock today that I'm interested in is Immunomedic. Diagnostic uh, imaging, very good business. I like aluminum more uh, when it comes to that. I think, you know, although it's a high dollar pr- price, aluminum is a better company. Let's go to Chris in South Carolina. Chris. Hi, Jim. Big fan of yours. We appreciate you every day, buddy. Thank you. You're the greatest of all time. Wow. Got a Goat. question for you. Okay. OKTA. It's had a great run. Earnings are coming out Wednesday night. What should we do? Buy, yeah, that's a high-risk thing. It's up 150%. But remember, that's in that whole con- It's in that whole group of stocks that I really like. An enterprise software that I think is terrific, including, by the way, Coupa, which I think is good. Uh, I will say, don't put a gun to your head. Wait till after reports. I know you may have to miss some upside. Maybe buy a little ahead and then a little after. But don't do all at once. Let's go to Jack and Ohio. Jack! Hey, thanks for taking my call, Jimmy. Of course. Hey, I'm looking to add to my dividend income that has a payout in January. National Fuel Gas Company, NFG. Always liked the company. Uh, always a bridesmaid, never bride. I used to think it was going to get a takeover because of its natural gas holdings. That never happened. I think you'll do fine with natural. Uh, natural. That, that, NFG's a good company. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
While the stock market exploded higher this morning, after we got some very positive developments out of the G20 meeting, a possible trade ceasefire with China, or at least a lessening of hostilities. However, the incredibly bullish opening didn't hold. Initially, you had out-of-position traders scrambling to bet on all the companies to do better in a strong economy. But then a funny thing happened. The action took a turn for the worse. The bulls failed to hold the huge gap at the open, and while this was ultimately a nice day, it wasn't as nice as many of you might have expected, at least in the morning. The headlines may say that the China situation has been diffused, but what if the action in the stock market is telling another story? We need to figure that out. So tonight we're going off the charts, special edition, with the help of Tim Collins. He's a brilliant technician. He's my colleague at realmoney.com to get a better sense of what's going on here. And as far as Collins is concerned, today's action, discouraging. He thinks you need to be cautious when buying stocks here because the trade truce failed to clean the murky waters. Tippy gave us some goggles and maybe a snorkel to make life a little easier. That said, if you want to understand what's going on with the Chinese and with the U.S. economy, there's one stock that he says you can tell a great deal from Caterpillar. Talked about that at the top of the show. This is a cyclical smokestack company, the kind that thrives in a strong economy and withers in a weak one. And it also gets a large chunk of its growth from the People's Republic of China, which is why cat stock has been a pretty good proxy for the progress or lack thereof in the trade war. What is Collins seeing, Cat? Well, as long as the stock market doesn't completely give up the ghost this month, he believes Caterpillar could have a remarkable snapback rally. However, Collins acknowledges that this is a risky bet. Let's break it down. Starting with Caterpillar's long-term weekly chart over the past three and a half years, okay? Rather than getting caught up in the pictograph of the action, Collins wants to focus on a single indicator that he argues has done a real good job of predicting bottoms in this stock. He's talking about the Chaikin Oscillator which is an indicator of an indicator. We've talked about the accumulation distribution line before, a technical tool that tells you whether big institutions are buying or selling. And we've talked about the moving average convergence divergence, or we call it the MACD indicator, which is a terrific gauge of, of the moment, okay? And certainly it, what it does is it gives you a sense of what's going to happen movement ahead of time. The Chaikin oscillator, created by a friend of the show, Mark Chaikin, does something interesting. It takes the moving average convergence divergence of a stock's accumulation distribution line if the, the accumulation distribution line helps us figure out whether industrial money, money managers are buying or selling, the Chaikin oscillator tells us about the momentum of their buying or selling. So it's a derivative. In other words, this tool is very good at detecting shifts in the behavior of the big boys ahead of time who ultimately set stock prices with their gigantic trades. I like to think of it's a good precursor, Arbinger. And that's the tool Collins wants us to use to analyze Caterpillar. And when you look at back over the past three years, the Chaikin Oscillator has been very effective predicting both tops and bottoms of the stock. Now, look at how low this thing plunged during the market-wide meltdown, okay? You see this? Chaikin Oscillator, okay? You have to go back to 2015 to find another reading that low on this Chaikin Oscillator. Back then, Caterpillar stock plunged going into 2016. You can see, boom, okay, it was a big decline. Even as the key indicator made a higher low. There you go. That's what Collins wants you to focus on. The uptick in the Chaikin Oscillator foreshadowed a rebound in the stock. Sure enough, CAC gave you a mammoth rally over the next two years. So you can see this didn't go down as much. This was there. Boom. Okay, that's what we want. Now, Collins seems to think that we are literally... Huh. All right, well, we'll just leave that there. Uh, Collins seems to think that we're seeing something similar in terms of bullish potential with the Chaikin Oscillator bouncing hard off the lows. However, this time we don't have the bullish divergence because cat stock is bouncing along with it. Still, Collins points out that every time the Chaikin Oscillator has fallen to lows of this magnitude, okay, we're focused there, um, cat's giving you a terrific rally over the following year. 
We saw it in 2009, which we don't have. Okay, we don't have that yet. We saw it in 2010, 2011, 2012, 2015, and 2016. There we go. That's the thing I pointed out before. Collins uh, is betting we'll see it again over the next 12 months. How about Caterpillar's short-term daily chart? Let's go to that one. Oh, good. Okay. Um, despite today's fade at the open, Collins likes what he sees in this picture. The first thing that stands out to him is this W. Okay, that's a W-shaped pattern. It's complete with a higher low and a higher high. We love that textbook bottom formation. As long as CAC can hold above 134, okay, so we're a little bit above that right now, uh, down four points from where it's currently trading, Collins believes the stock can make a major move higher. He wouldn't be surprised if CAC can climb back to 150 over the next six to eight weeks. Hey, listen, we'll take that move, right? The high from earlier today, 142, is the new ceiling of resistance now. The 50-day moving average at 134, okay. Uh, is our floor for, of support. If it goes below that level, you know, this is important. Collins would be a seller. It means the trade has failed. He doesn't want you to hang on to the losing trade. That's important, too. What else? Look at the full stochastic oscillator. Okay, right down here, uh, down at the bottom. This is a momentum indicator that helps measure when a stock has gotten overbought or oversold. In Kat's case, the oscillator got very oversold late November, all right? Uh, and the stock came roaring back, just as you'd expect when something goes down too far, too fast. Now, Collins points out that the oscillators made a bullish crossover here. That's the crossover right there where the black line goes above the red one. And this historically, again, has been a very positive sign for Caterpillar. So you got that and you got that. Wow. We've seen it three times since the summer and each time the stock rallied. The only problem, Cat's already rallied nearly 10 bucks since the bullish crossover two days ago. So we're mindful. Put it all together, and Collins likes what he sees in Caterpillar stock, but this is a very much high-risk, high-reward story, given how much the darn thing has already run. Here's the bottom line. The charts, as interpreted by my friend Tim Collins from RealMoney.com, suggest that cats should be ready to roar even more here. And that makes sense to me. If the Fed can engineer a soft landing for the economy and the president's new understanding with China turns into a genuine end to the trade war. But you need to have a lot of conviction to bet on Caterpillar up here. And I don't blame anyone who's feeling a little bit wheezy. Although, as I said earlier, I think the Chinese could solve a lot of problems with President Trump by simply buying a ton of machinery from this great American manufacturer. Stick with Kramer. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. recently had an interview with Gary Friedman. He's the CEO of RH, the old restoration hardware. It was done at his fantastic place in Meatpacking District. And he pounded the table, told you to buy a stock, said that he was buying a stock. He thought it was too cheap. It was down big from the high. Well, guess what? After the close, the company reported a dramatic upside surprise, and it's screaming higher, and you've made a lot of money. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you tomorrow. What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.